0: Growing Up Baby, with Haley Zimek. In this episode, we hear from a dear friend of mine. Tracy and I joke that we've known each other since she was zero, and it's true. She's a family friend with whom I share some of my very earliest memories with. While she's open about her struggle with postpartum depression, I still feel privileged that she shared her experience with me and with such grace and candor. The following segment includes content on depression, harm, and pregnancy loss. Please take care while listening. We start her story in October of 2016.
1: So I had a great job with great benefits, a supporting husband. Financially, we were in a great place. Owned our own home at that point, and we had great neighbors, family nearby. Uh, So we had kind of check the boxes on everything that you would want in your first pregnancy uh, leading up to when he was born. It was a pretty quick delivery, even that, like there were no complications really with the delivery. There was a minor hiccup at the very end. It was about a two-hour labor. So once again, it was pretty routine. There was nothing That was traumatizing necessarily from that. And this was a child that we had planned. So it wasn't even like this was a, oops, you know, me and my husband, we were not planning to have children, but now we're pregnant. Like this was a, we planned it, we got pregnant right away, and then we had our son. So by all accounts, things sound like they were quote
0: unquote perfect or pretty close.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have described it and my first postpartum therapy session, I would describe it as a perfect scenario having a first child. Everything was there for us to succeed. We had everything we needed to enjoy our child. Okay, so what happened? When did that start to shift? So I don't know, because it is a chemical in your brain, so I don't I don't know from a medical perspective. From a mom perspective, I would say when my son would not breastfeed he couldn't latch on and my whole entire pregnancy was just not that i i actually had no birth plan so i didn't even go into it with a birth plan that i was upset that it didn't go that way i just thought you breastfeed your that's what you do and the hospital we did not give birth in niagara it was we lived somewhere else at the time Um, And that hospital was very, breast is best. They would not help with, formula was not even introduced. It was not an option. Like you were breastfeeding. Uh, And so my son just could not latch on. And it turned out down the road, it was just, his mouth was too small to latch on. But at the time I didn't know that he would not breastfeed. And so because he wouldn't breastfeed, he was always really hungry. So he was always Crying, but I absolutely refused to ever give him a bottle. And the hospital was very supportive and pro do not give him a bottle, do not introduce the bottle. You need to breastfeed. So I would be pumping and I would be getting him to lap the easiest way to describe it is to lap the milk up like a kitty cat from the bowl with his mouth. And he would have to do this from a spoon. It was like spoon fed to lap this milk as a newborn i'm recovering from giving birth and he would la- like just lick the milk up like a, like a kitty cat <laughs> like in hindsight it's like what were you thinking <laughs> i know but it, like, at I the time this. at the time it was like that's, <laughs> that's in my in my head in my head and even with breast milk even in with it. breast okay. my own okay. breast okay. milk okay. i was going to ruin okay. him forever okay. the goal of having a child was not to have a healthy child it was to have a child breastfeeding okay. Uh, and so then eventually it got worse. Shocker. It's really hard to get an infant newborn to lap milk like a kitty cat. So then I would give him syringes. And so I would literally be going around because drugstores just don't, it's hard to find little syringes, it turns out. So I would be going around trying to like find a pharmacy that had these tiny syringes that I could syringe my breast milk into his mouth because. I can't give him a bottle because I would be failing him for life. His first three or four weeks of life, I was going on about an hour or two, maybe of interrupted sleep a day, a day. You can't continue like that is, I was going to lactation therapists that didn't see anything wrong with this. This is what they were encouraging because I was not giving him formula because that was the devil. And there was no bottle. It was no formula. That was at the hospital. That was what we were going to do. So my mental health was not taken into account with any of this because their goal as the lactation consultants is to get this child breastfeeding. I obviously at the time when you're in it, you don't realize how insane that is like that. No wonder I had postpartum depression. So the whole time that was once again, like you're going to breastfeed. This is going to work. You have to do this. You have to do this. This is what it's going to take to get them to breastfeed. Um, I had nipple shields because as I'm trying to still get him to latch, because not only would I be doing all of this to get milk into him, but I'd always then still be trying to still get him to latch the whole time. So it was it was awful. It was awful. My nipples would be bleeding. So I would get nipple guards, which once again, the lactation consultants, the nipple shields that was ruining the breastfeeding experience. You shouldn't be using those. It's taking away from breastfeeding. It's going to harm your supply. Thankfully for my child, I produced cream like I produced such fat, heavy breast milk that the little he got was was good from. But there was no way that nipple shield was going to ruin my supply. I had milk for the whole community yeah. because I was pumping so much that I was over... Like, I literally could have probably fed two or three children with the breast milk I had. But I saw absolutely nothing wrong with this. And I would cry just in frustration because I'm supposed to be breastfeeding. Why Why is it taking me three hours to give them like an ounce of milk? Um, and so I would just be crying all the time. And my husband, he was home for the first two weeks and then he went back to work. So I would be by myself in the house, but I can't go anywhere because I have to be home to be able to figure out how to feed him. And it was just, it was a very isolating when you're by yourself with an hour or two of sleep a day, like your thoughts go in all of these wild patterns. I remember I went out to, because once again, I was going to try a new nipple shield because this was going to be the cure-all for everything. And I remember I went to Toys R Us to get it and I'd left some pumped breast milk and he, Bennett, had taken it with a bottle. And I called my mom from the car and I was so distraught about giving him a bottle. She thought he'd actually died because I was so... Yeah, it was just a complete wreck. Like, she thought he had died because I was so upset. And all I had done was so, give him a bottle okay. of my breast milk. Okay. My breast milk. Okay. So it's not even formula, which is fine. Like, I am very, after all of this, very pro-formula, fed is best. Just give your kid whatever. Yeah. So whatever you were they not made. upset that you had finally given, given him. Given him a bottle. And okay. this would have been, like, four weeks later.
0: So you've been doing this for four weeks. Four weeks. Hellish weeks. It was awful. Yep,
1: yeah, for four weeks until I finally hit as almo- almost as low as I could go, gave him a bottle. I thought I had completely destroyed his life and every chance I had of him ever breastfeeding. Cause once again, I'm going to lactation consultants multiple times a week. That is the only goal in my head is to get him on the breast. Did he take the bottle right away? Yeah, because he's starving. Yeah. He's starving. So he took to that. He took to that. He loved the bottle. Because okay. he's like, I don't have to work for this. Yeah. Like give me, give me the milk. Uh, loved the bottle. And by this point too, my nipples are bleeding profusely all the time with every feed because he still can't latch on. So my nipples needed, they were getting infected. So I ended up the doctor after that, I had gone to the doctor, I had a doctor appointment the next day. And she actually then made me stop breastfeeding for the week because I needed my nipples to heal because they were that infected. So then he took a bottle for the week. Uh, which was then I could at least get more sleep There was Mm -hmm. because I wasn't doing all that. But I was still in my head, like I have now ruined, he's never going to be breastfeeding. So I started the scenarios of now I just can't, you know, run to the mall because I have to pump the bottle and then I have to keep it warm or somehow find a microwave. Like I was going through all of these scenarios that made no sense whatsoever. And if that's my biggest issue with this child, in hindsight, that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, it was the worst I could not get out of the what ifs and all of these scenario planning of all of these terrible things that were going to happen to him because he was taking a bottle. Like it was just mind boggling at the time. So you
0: thought that because he couldn't just go like straight. To I couldn't the rest, just whip out he, my breast
1: and put him on my breast.
0: He would then suffer because you might be in a situation where you couldn't get the milk in a bottle and the yeah, bottle into him.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so in my head, this was like, this was the world's worst thing that could happen. Um, and then at the same point, while all of this is also going on before that, I was very, I was in a job that I was working all of the time. I'd be easily working, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks. Cause I was a career woman. I was building my career and that that's what I'd love to do. So while all of this was going on, I also then, and that was how I defined myself was yeah. my success in my career
0: yeah.
1: and my job title. And then, so while all of that was going on, I then had to stop working cold turkey. And so I was trying to define who I was because all along I'd always defined my success on my job title and what I did in my at work in my career. And I didn't have that anymore. I now had no job. I was on maternity leave. I had no coworkers at the moment. And I say no coworkers, but I had coworkers coming by every day to see me. Like it was, but, it's but it was a huge, in the so I was trying to go through all of that and, and the withdrawal of not having that anymore at the same time as all of this was going on. So that was, I still haven't hit my lowest point at okay. this. So I'm still somehow surviving. My family doctor was incredible through this. She started to see the strains, and so she would get me. I'd have to go in to see her. When I, it was even more than once a week. Like I she, I had to go in all the time to go see her. My mother-in-law had come up to stay with us. My mom had come up. I had my, my parents' neighbors would drive up and stay with me uh, because my child, he would only sleep on you. Um, We hadn't discovered a swing that would calm him down yet, so he would still only sleep on you. That was the only place he'd sleep. So I had had co-workers coming over that would just come over and keep him for an hour and just take him around the block and stuff like that because everyone else around me could see this was not good. I still did not see that. So then my lowest point was when, at that time in my life, There were six pregnancies that I knew of in my kind of circle. And of the six women that were pregnant or due to have a baby, only two of those babies survived. So, yes. So, there was two of us. There was two of us that had these healthy babies. And four had, they were either stillborn or miscarried. And I remember crying. My husband was at work. And I was crying in the bed with my son beside me. And I was so mad that I had to keep my baby, and all of these other women didn't have to. And they got to go home from the hospital without their babies. And I was so mad that they got to go back to life without their babies because I wanted that. And why did I have to keep my baby? And I was so jealous that they'd lost their babies. And that was when it was like, oh my gosh. What is wrong? Like that's that was the lowest point where I knew. Then, as I'm crying in bed, and I, instead of feeling like the lucky one, um, I was mad that I had my baby, and I, how, how dare. The universe was so cruel because I was now stuck with this baby. And thank the Lord, it never. So my postpartum depression, I feel so lucky because I checked the boxes on everything I needed to do to take care of my baby. So I always made sure that the child was fed, taken care of it. My thoughts never, because there's some postpartum depression where you would want to harm your baby. And I never wanted to harm him. I just didn't want him. So he was always taken care of. I always made sure the baseline so he was not loved but he was taken care of. And thankfully I had so many people around me that loved him for me. And that was when it was it was uh, a clear in my mind to that point I didn't know what I was feeling was not healthy and then that was like that was the lowest of the low where I need I need help. And so then I went to the doctor. And she was incredible. She, and at, up to that point, because I have no health issues, like I had no health issues, I would go to the doctor for once a year, check up. That's about it. So I had no relationship before being pregnant with our doctor. Uh, so I didn't know how incredible she could be, but she was just incredible. So she, um, right away, I wasn't allowed to be alone with my baby. So I always had to have somebody come. So we had friends that would, take turns babysitting me during the day. Um, so there was enough people on mat leave or neighbors, co-workers like this was, you don't know how loved you are until you need help. So we had kind of like a schedule of people that would come and babysit me because I couldn't be alone with him, which makes sense. And then she gave me like homework and I'm the type that I need to tell me what to do and I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't allowed to be alone with him. I had to get outside of my house for 30 minutes. No matter the weather, I had to leave to go outside. With him? With... It didn't matter. I just had to get outside, get fresh air for 30 minutes a day. I had to take vitamin D, omega-3s, and then she started me on an antidepressant. And then I also had to start postpartum depression counseling. The first couple weeks were rough because you have to get used to the antidepressants. It's not a magic pill that just works overnight. So the antidepressants, I would say, were probably one of the largest things that helped initially. And then I would go to group therapy sessions and it was interesting. So I only ended up going, so I did individual counseling and I'm a big proponent of that. That was incredible. That worked more for me, but the group counseling was specific for postpartum women. And I remember going, and these were all women that had no support systems. This is women whose you know, father had sexually abused them, so they can't have their baby around their family, so they are truly alone. This is another woman who had an abusive spouse, so they were on their own. There was no no one else. Uh, someone's husband was a pilot, so he needed his sleep because he's flying an airplane. So there was no support and no help in the night because everyone's lives depended on this individual. And it was like instances, doctors who was going to be doing surgery. So once again, the spouse can't be necessarily as supportive when they're, cause they need, they need sleep. And I remember walking in and hearing all of the women and thinking like, oh my gosh, like, I have it pretty good. Like, it was one of those, like, aha, I say it's like the Oprah aha moment where it was, okay, I actually have it pretty good. Like, I have a nice life. I have the support systems. I need to use them. It's not that bad. And that was, I feel like, the turning point for where, and it was probably the drugs were just starting to work, the antidepressants. But that was where kind of the light started coming. I started to being able to enjoy My baby, and then I started signing up for, you know, baby salsa lessons, baby music lessons, and baby massages and stuff through the early year center. At the early year center actually was a huge, huge benefit because I didn't even know that these services existed, but I could go and just take a baby Art class—it was free. I was with other moms. I was with, other, and it was just like a drop-in. You didn't need to sign up, so that was a lifesaver as well. I remember that being a big part of my recovery. And I don't, you know, there—I don't know if the earlier Senate realized, but those things to do were huge, just to get me out of the house and around. <laughs> Uh, people that could help me out, uh, and by that point, my son was growing big enough that then he could start breastfeeding on his own. So even the feeding then was fine. He was breastfeeding fine, and so everything kind of worked into place. And I still say it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because, which is awful, but I had no history of of depression. I had no history. Like I, if you told me you had depression, I thought you were weak. Like I just thought, like get out of bed, like let's go, come on, and. Going through all of that was life-changing. Like, it was one of not the best things. It was an awful experience. I would never want anyone to ever go through that. Um, But it changes your perception of life and the little things that you appreciate and the people around you that you appreciate and the struggles that people are going through that you don't know. Um, Because on the surface, I had everything. There was nothing... I didn't have or needed to be a successful first mom. I had it all, and if I could go through that, anyone could. And so that changed just how I think of others and I and what they're going through because we don't know. And so I will openly talk about it um, because I always say like it shouldn't have happened to me, and it did. So what are all of these people who are on their own? They don't have money. They can't pay rent. I had it all and it still happened. Yeah. And um yeah. Yeah. When
0: you look back on that person, do you recognize her in those early months of Bennett's life?
1: Or is it? I don't remember. Like a- I don't I was such a blur. My thoughts, none of them were making sense because I was so sleep deprived, I couldn't function. Yeah. And so I don't really remember a lot because I was in such a fog that I never was fully present in anything. Like, I wasn't present. I was just kind of floating through this awful life, if that even makes sense.
0: And then when you (sighs) became pregnant or started planning your second child, was
1: that a, were you concerned that this would repeat? Yeah, so I was. I mean, so I'd went off antidepressants. I stayed on them because I thought I was so scared of ever going back. And the antidepressants, like I liked who I was, it was great. So kind of why change a good, like why change something that's working? But then when I was pregnant, I went off them. I wanted the second she was born to start back on the antidepressants because I was never going through that again. So I don't know if it was because I was medicated and on antidepressants again, it was like a a low dosage because it was just like a precautionary, like, just in case. Um, I just didn't care about a lot of the things that with my first. While I was pregnant with my second, I moved to the Niagara region. So I wasn't working when after we moved. So it's not like I was walking away from a career again. I'd already done that to move. And so I was just enjoying being at home with my firstborn, waiting for my second. Um, so I didn't have a lot of that those triggers those, those triggers like they be? were the the triggers weren't there anymore and I could then just love my my second and so I loved I loved being the newborn mom. Uh she breastfed fine, but I also still pumped and gave her a bottle because I re- like I knew that you actually want them to be able to take a bottle. So uh I didn't have any issues with depression the second one at all. So I don't know i don't know if it was because i had medicated ahead of time but i was i was so happy to be able to just love my baby it was sad because it it did make me realize what i missed out on my first and what he missed from me uh but at the same time he's now five and you wouldn't tell like you wouldn't tell at all there's he is a happy healthy almost too happy-go-lucky um very well very loved um but there is always still like a little bit of the guilt that he missed he missed out on that from me uh but I'm so thankful that for my second one postpartum wasn't an issue and I could I could just love her
0: If you think you may be suffering from postpartum depression and need help, the Canadian Mental Health Association is a good place to start. Connects Ontario is 24-7 and has phone, text, email, or instant messaging options. Thanks for listening. Until
1: next time.